Boo. You think I'm a good girl? Just wait and see. We're bad girls. This is what we do. I'm the girl that's gonna save your life. Eh, you shot pretty well. For a boy. Can't you handle a woman with a big gun? I put the fun in funeral. I like my men covered in blood. Hail to the queen, baby. I can, and I will. I can, and I will. I'll take a bite out of you. Beware the silence. Welcome back to our second part of us. Thank you guys for continuing with us. Uh, <laughs> us, us. <laughs> I'm so clever. Dad jokes. Oh, God. <laughs> I've gone full game on this shit. Um, as always, I'm your Mistress of Evil, Ella Vella, along with... Her sister of sin, Ashy Slashy. And... This is Jamie, and I'm back with the mic. <laughs> he, <laughs> he brought, brought it back! back. Yay! Um, so last time we left off, we, we literally had gotten right up to the two families meeting. Um, we discussed The two little, versions. Yeah, the tethered and... Uh, I, I guess I'm going to go the light and dark side. Yeah, okay. Uh, just because it kind of makes a little bit easier mm-hmm. way for us to describe them. Um, or the uh, above ground, underground. Mm-hmm. There you go. I'm like, I'm trying to People under the stairs meet the people above. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that's a movie. <laughs> it said a lot about society. <laughs> <laughs> and about the fact that don't fuck your brother. Oh, yeah, super <clears throat> don't do that. <laughs> oh, my. Definitely do not fuck your brother. It ends badly for <laughs> everyone. Moral <laughs> of Game of Thrones. Don't fuck your brother. <laughs> <laughs> we can boil down Game of Thrones. No incest. That's it. It caused all of their problems. It really did. It did, yeah. Uh, so, uh, without the incest, <laughs> uh, we're getting back into this. So, you've discussed them kind of meeting. And... I, I wanted to mention something about the uh, the acting. Okay. So, um, a freaky fact about this film okay. was that the actors played both the light versions of themselves and the dark versions of themselves. So above it wasn't, ground and underground. Yeah, the above ground and underground versions of themselves. It wasn't, you know, like a camera trick or anything that they used. It was just the actors played each, both versions. And Lupita, when she was red, would stay in character the entire time. Oh, so much chamomile tea for that throat. <laughs> but, like, mm-hmm. we watched, uh, who's your friend that does the... Uh, James, uh... I know him as James. Uh, but he does Dead Meat and Kill Count. Mm. Which is a YouTube uh, channel where they... YouTube channel and podcast. Yeah. We'll, we'll link it below. Yeah. Uh, he... We actually met him... Uh, mentioned this a few times. He played uh, Walt Disney on the first season of Once Upon a University. Yep. He did. Oh, yeah. He was Mr. He was Disney. Disney. He, he was, he was uh, Mr. D. <laughs> Mr. D. <laughs> Which I realize now, so... Did he point yeah. like this the no. whole time? <laughs> he really should have. We should have made it an inside dirty joke, but we didn't. There should have been, I feel like there should have been an episode where he was like scolding the girls just, but using the Disney point the whole time. <laughs> this is how you have to do the Disney point. And just put like something completely harmless, like a lollipop in there, <laughs> just as part of the joke, but it changes to something different every, every scene. scene. <laughs> it's the magical Disney point. Um, But... So on his little YouTube channel, he mentioned, um, 
he mentioned that freaky fact, so it's credit to him, not me, but I'm using it for the podcast. Um, <laughs> they showed a, he showed a behind-the-scenes uh, scene. Uh, where actually uh, Jordan Peele could do uh, Red's voice. Yeah. And, like, Lupita was, well, no, before that, like, Lupita was talking, like, in that voice and completely in character of, like, so how do you want me to do this scene? Like, she was talking to Jordan of, like, how am I supposed to portray this? What do you want me to do? But the well, what's inti- happening? Yeah, what's in happening in the scene? Like, you know, a normal conversation that you would be having with your director, but completely in character as Red the entire time. Like, she was moving her neck. And, it like, was just, slightly... That must have brought him so much joy that she was that into it. Yeah. Well, I, I think another little fun fact he brought that up is uh, when he cast Lupita, he said, you're going to be exhausted. And he <laughs> was, and she was like, and he delivered. Because, yeah, that, that, that's a lot for one person to, to play. Yeah. Uh, you were bringing up something about uh, the physical acting. Well, yes. Yeah, so, in horror, physical acting can make the difference between believability and just selling how terrifying it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can see the talent and the caliber of it throughout the entire movie, especially with everyone going from their nice natural selves to their tethered underground forms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's just so much to it. Like, to get that animalistic movement, you get a lot uh, of Especially, that. like, Jason and Pluto. Like, the, the the physical motions of Pluto are so uh, deeply animalistic, and they're, they're so guttural in how he moves and stuff like that. And the gracefulness of Red yeah. taking over. I mean, the, the end scene with Red and Adelaide... Uh, in that fight scene that we'll eventually get to is, uh, it's, it's fucking, like, so cinematic and so beautiful. Um, so, uh, the tethered family, the underground family, has now met the above ground family. And, uh, Red kind of pairs them off. Where she's like, Jason and Pluto go play, uh, Ombre and Zara. Zora, Zora, go for a run. Where obviously uh, this is this is murder run. <laughs> uh, and uh, Gabe and Abraham go outside. But what what I find very interesting and it, it pulls into the very end of this film. Of I feel like everything is meant for Adelaide to suffer. Yeah. Everything about this is meant for her to feel pain. And it, it almost reminded me, uh, in her portrayal of Red, almost reminded me really strongly of Pinhead. Of where it's it's not almost malicious, it's just factual. Is you're going to suffer now. You're going to understand everything that I've been through, what I've felt. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's it, it really important in in dealing with this film of uh, the idea that I feel like you know we we keep coming back to is like what what society wants people to be, and what they actually are of this idea of um, red is what society views I think in a lot of ways of a what a strong black woman is. Mm-hmm. Versus what, uh, I, I have a, a beautiful, beautiful friend, Amaya, who is uh, a, the Maya. most 
stunning transgender woman I've ever met. And she's so amazing. She's a social worker. She... If you ever want to look at a human being and just be like, yeah, okay, I got this. After 10 minutes with her, you have this. Um, but she's so uh, in, in your face and abrupt about facts. Where she'll be like, yeah, one in five transgender women will either be murdered or have an attempted murder and this and this. And... Uh, it, it's not a I need pity or I need you to fix this. It's so factual. Of uh, just this isn't an argument. These are facts. Making you aware of the world that's there. And I feel like Red almost gives it that that view of where Adelaide might have grown up a little bit more, even dealing with the ideas of like mental health issues in the black community. She she has had a either more sheltered or a healthier life. And the idea of Red being like, this is what the worst is. Yeah. And she's not malicious about it. She's factual. And I feel like the, the factual fact makes it a little bit scary. What do you think, Jamie? Uh, the, not only does it make you scary, it makes you kind of empathize with the tethered. You feel like... Are they really wrong for what they're doing? Maybe their methods might be a little extreme, but are they really the ones in the wrong for taking what they believe they deserve? Because you can't tell them that their truth isn't real. Yeah, or what they experienced. And they they want you to feel that. They're demonstrating. So if they kind of make me go, I, don't, I can't call them the bad guys. Yeah. Uh, of this idea of like uh, you, you look at a lot of films and you look at a lot of uh, portrayals and it's like they're either the, the good guys or the bad guys it's either this hard knock life or this like oh look how far I've come but th there's there's a gray zone of what is real and what you can get to that I feel like they're dealing with in this film that I feel like Jordan Peele dealt with so very well of but yeah I, I think it's how you were saying earlier with them dealing with that uh with the therapy scene uh I feel like that that's such a good way he he deals with social issues without being like this is a social issue yeah like um I don't know if you guys have seen Black Klansman oh yeah uh, I, I watched the film, I, I literally, uh, watched the film, got drunk, and tried to put a mezuzah on my door. I was so, uh, viscerally, uh, attacked <laughs> by that film. Um, but I feel like that, that's a film that does it, where it deals with race, and deals with anti-Semitism, in a way that's not like, race, anti-Semitism, in your face. It's like, this is a simple fact. This is what was going on in the time. We, we are dealing with the fact that being a, a, a black cop or a Jewish cop was not okay. Yeah. But that's just a fact. It's not a point of this film. It's a thing that's going on in this film. The sky is blue and Jews and blacks should not be cops. Yep. That's it. And uh, I, I love that film so hard for for that fact for like oh fuck yeah that that was that was a point of our 
you know what? That film did a good job of addressing it, along with uh, the help it, it addressed. Yes. Not only that, you're a woman? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't be doing all of that. Mm-hmm. Who said you could do that? Yeah. Uh, there is also uh, the film about the, the NASA scientists. Oh, uh, Hidden Figures. Hidden Figures. Where there, there's this idea, you can make a film that has to do with racial inequality without being like, this is racist, like, with a rainbow. You can just have that be a part of someone's life. Yeah. Yeah, you can show the time period accurately, and you don't have to say anything else. It's right there. Anybody with two brain cells to rub together go, okay, nope, I get it. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that that's such a, a thing Jordan Peele does so well in this film, of showing, like, this isn't right. You can figure that out, right? Without me having to A, B, C, spell it out for you. This isn't Schindler's List. We're not going to tell you, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. Mm-hmm. You can tell contextually. And while I'm, I'm never going to shame Schindler's List, uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, pour a big glass of whiskey and watch it. Uh, it it's it's one of those films you can watch once, and that's that that's it. Yeah, it's uh, one that I think everyone should watch at least once. Yeah, definitely. Along with Letters to Iwo Jima. Yes, uh, th- those are those are some very very poignant films uh, about our history and uh, people's lives. But I I think we we've gotten it, it's the same way uh, that uh, Anne Frank's Diary. Uh, like, in the 80s, it had such a big impact. In the 90s, it had such a big impact. In the 2000s, people are literally so, like, oh, yeah, there is this girl, Anne Frank, and she's Jewish, and there's, like, a Holocaust. Okay. But because it's so rhetoric-y mm-hmm. that people stop seeing the personal struggles. Where when you can put out a film like this... That obviously shows racial struggles, but without being like, this is a racial movie. This is just a movie depicting people who go through this. Yeah. And I like that he doesn't insult your intelligence and spoon feed mm-hmm. and just pop and go, message. Yeah, it, it makes you go like, yeah, like, I, I also feel like it makes you feel more because you... You, anyone can connect with anybody in that family. Yeah. Like, anybody. You can connect with Ally, you connect with Gabe, you can connect with Jason, you can connect with Zara. You can connect with somebody and then personally feel their struggle. Mm-hmm. Instead of being told, this is a person that's struggling. Feel! Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's what makes, like, movies like The Black Klansman so good and stuff like that is because... It's more focused on the character than the message. Yeah, the character, the period, and it, if most of the times, if you're going to do some type of period piece, you can get the message across by just being accurate to the period. You don't have to do anything else. I mean, like, I think it's it's an interesting thing. Uh, I I was looking up something recently, and it was. Uh, I think it, it's Ginsburg. It's Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Martin Luther King, and Anne Frank are all the same age. Yes, that's one of those freaky. Things. And, and it, it's that, that that headspace mm-hmm. of like, 
because you you look at like Doctor uh, Martin Luther King and you think of like oh this this great figure and you think of Anne Frank and you're like oh that was so long ago and it was so so far so so distant and then you can be like no actually this person alive who's still talking and doing everything is the same exact age. It helps like stop that disconnect because a lot I think a lot of people will just disconnect it as. Well, that was all the way over there, so I don't really identify with her. That was in the 60s. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, we got somebody that lived through it that's the exact same age as them. <laughs> Not that different a time. Yeah. yeah. It, it's the same way. Um, uh, I, I I don't remember her name. But it's that very famous photo of the, the first black little girl that went to uh, an integrated school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's that, that photo of like the women yelling at her and stuff like that and it's like uh, the adults in this photo are now 70 and the girl in this photo is now 62 and and you're just like <sighs> and I've looked at it and I'm like the adults in this photo are the ones making laws and getting things done that they for a world that's not gonna they're not gonna live in anymore no and, and that's kind of an interesting thing you can also look at in this film is uh, the tethered or the underground. They have no uh, real prerogative in this world. Yeah. They, they have no ties. Um, where uh, the people that they either kill or attack do. But somehow they manage to send a better message at the end of this. Than all of the people that they've attacked, mm-hmm. and you can show see the like connection between Red and the main family, mm-hmm. whereas the other tether they just went and took out their counterparts immediately. They didn't bother. They don't care. They're like, yeah, this is what our leader has shown us. We are doing this. Where uh, Red in having that mentality. Uh, she knows why and she knows the the meaning of it um so uh very quickly uh because i want to get to like the interesting points not this one was an interesting so it was very interesting yeah it's also just kind of very deep and like uh so i'll i'll go with gabe and um what's the splits the underground's name abraham abraham Abraham. also very interesting very biblical name Mm mm-hmm Versus his. Oh, uh, Gabriel. Gabriel, yeah. Yeah, Gabriel. so they're both very biblical. They're, uh, like Gabriel, the, the justing angel. Mm-hmm. And all the biblical references, Jeremiah 11, 11. Yeah, there, there's also, a lot of biblical. I, going back to Jeremiah, actually, I want to, we've completely <laughs> forgot to mention Jeremiah. <laughs> I mentioned Jeremiah. Well, briefly. Yeah. You, you mentioned he was 1985 cute. Jeremiah. <laughs> you didn't mention Modern, yeah, modern so, Jeremiah. So, so as soon, like when our family is arriving to their vacation home in Santa Cruz, they see Jeremiah being wheeled into like dead Jeremiah. Yeah, with being wheeled into a ambulance with a chest like wound. With a chest wound, and then later on, poor little uh, Jason. Jason is walking around the beach and sees underground underground Jeremiah, underground Jeremiah just standing there waiting. Leading. Leading. 
Well, he's is, not is bleeding. He bleeding or is it's it not his blood. blood. Yeah, there was blood on his fingertips. It's not his blood, though. Yeah. <laughs> but he has it written on his face. Yeah, and he's waiting. He's waiting for the rest of his friends. So, yeah, it had already he, started. Yeah, Jeremiah yeah. is our first tethered. Uh, yeah, so we get, we get Jeremiah very early on. Um, so Gabe and or Gabriel and Abraham mm-hmm. have an epic battle on the boat that ends with Abraham uh, uh, very much fish-fooded. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jason and Pluto have... Which, also, I I was trying to see if they're... Like, I was, while you guys were talking about the deepness of this film, <laughs> I was like, they're getting a little too deep for me. I'm gonna try and delve in to see if I can find any more facts to, like, try and piggyback on this deep conversation, but I can't find anything. So, I don't think this was a freaky fact that was mentioned. If I find it later, I'll be like, oh, well, it was a freaky fact that was mentioned. But, freaky fact of my own. All right. The, I feel like the death scene of uh, Abraham, Friday the 13th. Oh, yeah. Well, especially because he comes out of the water, too. He tries to come out of the water, tries to kill him again, and then (laughs) fish fooded. That was very fitting for a horror film. Yeah. Another Friday the 13th reference for you guys there. There you go. a lot. Yeah. As soon as he went out on the boat, I'm like... Is he doing this on purpose? <laughs> also, we have. To, I feel like we should mention the name of the boat. Crawl, Daddy! Yeah. I saw that and I was like, oh god, I don't want to like connect myself, but I totally made broke boat then. If y'all also, call this Crystal Lake, yeah. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to say also, so this is a freaky fact that I did find. Um, the re- there is no actual reason why Jordan gave... Um, Abraham uh, gave a boat, just for status sim- just 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 for social status symbol of like I have a boat. I got a boat, motherfucker. I'm on a boat. Sorry. I'm on a boat. I just had. I immediately went there. <laughs> I mean, if you got a family vacation but, home, but, but also if, you, if you look at it, uh, you can almost go. It's uh, keeping up with the Hendersons yeah. kind of style thing because mm-hmm. even if you look at their house if you look I, I, I have no idea what the fuck their family name is other than Tara Tyler Pete. oh Tyler the, it's the Tylers and the Wilsons okay the Tylers who are the worst people ever and definitely have a nicer house yeah the Tylers definitely have a nicer house and it's less secure all that glass windows and doors see I'm telling you it's why we don't have glass window places it's fucking creepy uh, <laughs> but that you, you can almost go it might be him trying to compete with the Tylers Mm-hmm. Of uh, this whole thing of like uh, you know where you can obviously tell like he went to Harvard. He's a little bit more schooled. The family uh, doesn't hate each other. The husband and wife still seem to like each other. Mm-hmm. They're obviously trying to have sex during their lovely little like. <laughs> where I don't Harvard think, sweater and my drawers all bag. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Tylers have had sex in with, with each other. <laughs> Yeah. That's an accurate statement. I, I'm guessing... Uh, There's a pool boy involved uh-huh, and a babysitter. I was just about to say that. I was just about to say that. There's a pool boy involved. There's like a that pool shows, boy and a very young babysitter. Mm-hmm. And he shows dysfunctional families can happen to anyone. I, I'm going to say that um, Mr. Tyler is not fucking the babysitter because the twins are definitely old enough the to... The assistant? He, he's probably fucking his assistant. His yeah. secretary, his secretary, or something, but not the babysitter because those those girls are like old enough. Maybe to be she home was alone. the babysitter and now she's a secretary. His wife's sister, I don't know. I don't know. Personal assistant. 
don't know, I watch a lot of, a lot of forensic files. I'll give you a bunch of stuff. <laughs> the local bartender. The sister. The ex-girlfriend. I'm not joking. I watch forensic files while I'm at work. I know how to commit so many murders, guys. <laughs> don't fucking piss her off. Frame the assistant. Exactly. Uh, but... So you get the idea, even though, like, while the Tylers have this fucked up family and their daughters are hellions. Yep. Um, maybe, like, Gabe still feels the need to financially compete. Yeah, I could see that. And that's Where why maybe he has that's the, boat. the whole reason for the boat, is they don't have a boat. No, they do. Because it's, a uh, biatch. Yeah. It's... <laughs> It's the I would have named my boat that because it's funny. And but, funny. but, you know, he has this very, very nice speedboat. So maybe... Yeah, Gabe he's got is... like a little mini yacht boat. mini, mini A speed yacht. Yeah. He's got but, a speed yacht. <laughs> maybe Gabe is still trying to do that. Like, like, I'm trying to, like, compete with this family just a little bit. Like, because I feel like I have to, to to be friends with them. Maybe not even be friends with them. It might just be, like, some conscious... That too, yeah. Of like, you know, uh, they're the rich white family. They have a boat. We need a boat. Like, and, what would you think, Jamie? Well, I see the two of them have must have a history together because they they talk so calmly. Mm-hmm. Like, they've been competing I, with each other for a long yeah, time. Yeah, I feel like before they, marriage. I feel like their like their friendships maybe were before, college. Yeah, yeah, like they probably knew each other from college. Like he was probably the frat boy. Tyler was probably Mr. Tyler was probably the flat the flat. Flap boy. The flap boy. <laughs> That's a whole different role. <laughs> the frat boy. Um, and, uh, and maybe it was the nerd. Yeah, Gabe was the nerd. But like they were kind of, they still kind of like, they were buddies. They were roommates. And, or roommates or whatever. Probably. But so they kind of had that like, you know, hey man. But Gabe still feels the need to compete. Yeah. And I, 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 I agree with that. Oh, I thought you were going to say something else, so I oh, was no. like... Come so, on. like, and then the, the wives, kind of, by proxy of being married to these men, but now you, kind you of have to be friends. Tell Adelaide and uh, Mrs. Tyler, Elizabeth Moss, you, you can see Adelaide really doesn't enjoy being around her. No, she doesn't. She She her. looks so uncomfortable. Like, I'm nice to you because our husbands are friends. Because, like, Gabe, exactly. Gabe comes up and he does this, like, little kissy thing with her. And he's like, oh, do you want something? She's like, oh, I'll have a water. And she's like, oh, why don't you have, like, a sangria? Like, we're, that's how I'm doing it. And then he does the whole thing where he's like, what do you say? And she's like, I hate you. And you can even tell on, like, Adelaide's face. She's just like, oh, is this healthy? I don't think this is healthy. So why do we do this with them? <laughs> yeah, like, why are we Our here? Our kids hate it. <laughs> why? Why? Why are we here? For the love of Christ. Um, so we get to that. So, uh, while, while they're all hiding, uh, Jason and Pluto, who, who they said has uh, uh, peels come outside, they have the closest connection. Do this very strange little uh, match scene. In, yeah, the, the the scene in the closet. Yeah, where they're they're mirroring each other, and you get the idea. I don't know if it's because they're younger, so the idea is the tether is almost stronger because they have less. I feel like I, I feel like you're right in that sense. I that believe sense. that, yeah. Because yeah. there's been less environmental things on them, 
And also, you you kind of get maybe this idea that uh, this is something I kind of had a theory about. Is so this is uh, second generation, third generation tether, because obviously Red was born to her parents who were mm-hmm. tethered. So Red was born to her parents who were tethered. Now Jason and Pluto. So it's the second generation. Is the tether getting stronger? Ooh, that's a good theory. Is is the tether of the thought process between these two people? getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. So, because you you don't... You see it a little bit, too, with Ombre and Zora. Mm-hmm. Of where Zora almost seems to... Or Ombre almost seems to know what Zora's thinking before she thinks it. Mm-hmm. Where you don't get that, like, with the adult Tylers, either. You get subtle, like, mimics. But they're not... They but the how uh the the two twin girls come out and they kill them they move exactly the way the twins move Mm -hmm. so is it this idea that like okay so um adelaide's parents and uh gabe's parents would have been like the first generation it's like in the 1970s 1960s because they mentioned it's like the cold war Mm -hmm. nuclear uh like safety yeah so, uh, we're, we're now dealing with about 50 years worth of this. Um, is it getting to the point where, uh, because they're genetically evolving with this tether, is the tether getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger to a point where if maybe it had been left for, like, one or two more generations, while, uh, personality-wise, they would have been very different would they have spoken at the same time? Would they have had the same exact thoughts? Would they have the same exact feelings? Would that tether have just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger? I feel like maybe that's kind of what, you know, this government project was trying to do almost. Because you mentioned, because like going back to a little bit when uh, Red was talking about how she had to do everything that Adelaide did, but it was worse for her. Whereas I maybe, the, you know, the government is trying to create these like, other versions of us that once, you know, the the connection is so much more stronger that it's it's literally just doppelgangers that feel the exact same thing. Everything is the exact same. So is it like the first generation felt it polar opposite and now every generation is getting closer to feeling the same? Mm-hmm. It's getting stronger. Uh, I also like that theory. Uh, part of it, that closet scene showed that there was a potential for them to come together. It didn't have to come to this. Yeah. And it what it could have been for them, it could have been a better life for both of them. And I think that's something that Red was trying to say at some point, like, you could have took me with you. Exactly. Yeah. so easy. Well, there, there's also, uh, Jordan Peele hasn't said anything on it, but there actually is a really big theory that uh, Jason and Pluto are the same as Red and Adelaide. Jason's, I can see that, yeah. That Jason's actually red son. That she got out somehow. Because they mentioned they've, they've been to Santa Cruz a lot. Yeah, like she's, that's like, I mean, that's her family home, basically. But the idea is at some point, Red managed to sneak out her own son. And switch it with Jason. And that's why Pluto has this fire thing is because of sunlight. 
is because he was taken from this huh. this area where he experienced anything to nothing. And that's why he's so obsessed with fire is because he went from having all this stuff to nothing. So his fixation almost just went to fire. Because it shows why Jason's the one that's really trying the hardest to understand them. And also the fact that mm-hmm. at the end, uh, Jason, I think, is the only one that figures out about Adelaide. Because when he's looking at her, he knows. Yeah. Well, also, like, I kind of want to piggyback a little bit more on their connection, his and Pluto's. Like, the scene where they all find, like, it's, you know, daytime, everything is, all all hell is broken loose at this point. Oh, yes. they're in the ambulance afterwards? No, when they drive up to see Pluto again with the yeah, car they're in, well, they're like, they're we in, should they're probably get out of here. Yeah. Because they they're in the other ugly family's car. Yeah, before some, they get no. to the ambulance. Yeah, because they're in the ugly. They're in the Tyler's family. Oh car. yeah, they're in. The and he does the, he does the thing where he backs him up. Yeah, into the fire. Mm-hmm. And it's like because he has that like I feel like their connection is so strong that well, he's literally able to like, well, I, I, go into his tethered uh, version's mind and be like, "You're going to do this." I don't think it's even that. I think it's just like, if I do this, you do this. It's like a game to them. Mm. And he, he noticed it in the closet. Yeah, because when he moved his hand, he moved his hand. So I think it's it's almost the idea of Pluto is uh, an eight-year-old kid. I don't know mm. the exact age of Jason. With zero social skills. Yeah. So if you're eight years old and you've lived in a dark cave all your life and you see somebody else that looks exactly like you, you would mimic them because you don't know what it is. Yeah. And all the tether, when it's showing the lifestyle of them while they're mimicking what's going up on above ground without even seeing it, like it's a tick that they can't like fight. Control. Mm-hmm. Like they've been, they're, they've been doing this their whole lives. Like to, to this day, I will say, uh, I think one of the most gorgeous scenes in in the history of filmmaking uh is the ballet recital oh i fucking loved that between red and adelaide so gorgeous and uh seeing the 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 visceral uh his they actually got a uh, prima ballerina to do adelaide uh it's actually a modern dance instructor that does reds and they actually gave them the same dance cues and gave it to a premier, uh, premier ballerina and then to a modern dancer. Because if you look at the style, because uh, I've taken both, yep. uh, ballet is all about very long things, where uh, modern is very much about showing your body to show a feeling, mm-hmm. whether that's pain, anger, yeah. this or this. And if you look at the two things, they're showing the same emotion. But in two, like, the, I literally cannot say between ballet and modern, you can get more different. Like, the, I, I see what you're going yeah. for. Like, and like, showing the same emotion, but two completely different ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, your modern dance, you're able to, like, physically show those emotions, how you're, like, however you choose to show the emotion of anger, your whole body shows it. It's not, you know, like, Ballet, ballet, where it's controlled. Yeah. So it's c- the controlled, structured form of expression versus mm-hmm. no free control. form. Yeah, you, there are no boundaries. The only boundary is your imagination. Which I mm-hmm. actually find very interesting because modern dance was actually created from uh, African uh, 
dance. Dance. Mm-hmm. Yes. Where if you look at a lot of African dances, it it's shows, a lot of jerking. It and... shows jerking. It shows like this is how I feel. Mm-hmm. So that's actually where modern dance came from African dance, and it came from that style of that very quick motion and that very like. I'm happy, so my hands are up, and I'm dancing, and I'm spinning around, mm-hmm. and I'm sad, so my hands are down, and I'm shaking my head up. So you can almost even pull more of their cultural, how they're raised. Yeah. And how they're, and the way they're, they tell their history and share their stories. So much of it was told through dance and ver- verbal word of mouth. The tethered don't have the same type of language, so they have to be more freeform and expressive. Where uh, the idea of like when, because you you get that with the tethered of their screams. We don't understand because uh, you get that with a uh, 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 Mister Tyler's when he does his like raptor text. Yeah, when he does so the... his, like raptor screams. Mm-hmm. We don't understand that, but they do. And I think that that adds to the idea of uh, different cultures, different styles. Okay, why is he screaming like that? That's so weird. They all understand it. That's how they communicate. Why Why is that weird? Mm-hmm. Because we don't get it? Just because it's different? Yeah. So I think it, I think it did such a, uh, an interesting job of showing that, that difference of culture uh, in, in every way from, from their dances to this to that. Um... It's it's just so so much. It's so hard to like break apart the pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, so we eventually get to the point where uh, the Wilsons have escaped, and they go to their next door neighbors, the Tylers, who, as we have discussed, are terrible fucking people. Um, also, I want to say, why does Adelaide keep getting handcuffed to shit? I can give you the answer to that. She was handcuffed as a child. Huh. She keeps getting... The whole reason why Red handcuffs her is because as a child, she was Adelaide, and Red handcuffed her to the bed. And because Red's kind of the leader of the other tether, you notice that they didn't kill her immediately. Yeah. they, They wanted to keep her. It's like, no, no, this one's for our leader. Mm-hmm. Don't touch her. She's you can hurt her scare. a little bit but and scare her, but we can't. Just break some of the leg bones. It's mm-hmm. fine. Maybe uh, break a finger. Uh, so we then get to, and I, I do kind of want to discuss this a little bit, uh, because th- this just goes so 1950s uh, uh, Norman Rockwell-esque, I think, for me, of the, the Tylers. Mm-hmm. So the Tylers are attacked. Uh, we've discussed the fact that the dad's a uh, demeaning, misogynistic asshole. Mom's a drunk, and twins are cunts. Yeah. Uh, so no debate. <laughs> <laughs> they are taken out by their doppelgangers, and it actually starts off by uh, um, Elizabeth Moth being like, "There's something out there. Go check it out." And the dad is like, "No." He's been a condescending jerk about the whole thing. Yeah. He's like, I'm having a drink. I'm not fucking doing this shit. And the twins come out. And they're like, why are you guys fucking fighting? Why are you making your lives so terrible? <laughs> and um, their doppelgangers come out and just 
slice, stabby, stabby, stabby. Um, right for the jugular. Right for the jugulars. <laughs> um, and uh, there, of course, they just watch their twins get killed. So I'm guessing they feel uh, some form of human emotion. I'm going to hope. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not completely basing it on that because <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've, those are really, really terrible people. Um, and uh, Mr. Tyler is killed by Tex. Yep. Uh, who just comes up and just slices his fucking throat. And Elizabeth Moss kind of seems like she's getting away. And the, the Tex character of her adopting her husband goes like he's looking like he's going to reach out his hand to her. Mm-hmm. And, and just pulls it back in this, like... He does the ulti- hair... The ultimate misogynistic... Hair swoop. It's like, hey... Psych. And what, what <laughs> I find so interesting, so, like, as Adelaide and the family are getting there, you do get these scenes of, like, uh, Tex puts on, like, the cigar robe mm-hmm. and grabs the drink and grabs the cigar where uh, Elizabeth Moss's character goes and starts putting on, like, the lip gloss. Mm-hmm. Also... Elizabeth Moss does a really good job of being creepy. Yeah, I was a little uncomfortable how terrifying she was. Let's put her in more movies. <laughs> I was, like, I, I kind of, she gave me a little bit of a fear boner playing, I, I playing Dahlia. I would Elizabeth Moss playing, like, a new version of Pamela Voorhees. Oh. Just because we've been talking about Friday yeah. the 13th so much. I, I would love to I see that. I would love to see her as, like, the new Pamela Voorhees. I think she could rock it. I, I think she could, too. By the way, her tethered uh, is her tethered's name is Dahlia. Oh yeah, because she tries Dahlia. to do the black Dahlia smile mm-hmm. with the scissors. She she cuts her cheeks. Yeah, that I was looking at them like oh. Also, just uh, so for a second, let's pause. Uh, I'm I'm gonna put a little peg in our storyline real quick, and go to something we really haven't discussed: the scissors, the golden scissors. Okay. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I like to hear everybody's kind of theory on it, but Jamie, I'd like to really get the scissors for you. Like, what is it to you? Well, the scissors, like, they've been connected to these people from their other side for so long, and it should be symbolizing for the rebellion, like, we're snipping the tether ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're no longer bound to them. Mm-hmm. We are our own people. That, to me, is what they were going for with that, why each of them have that. While they wore those suits as a sign of their rebellion. Mm-hmm. What about you, Ashy? I, I, I don't know. Like I want to say I agree with it. Um, I also kind of feel like since Red is kind of their leader, you know, I feel like she wanted she, you know, she wanted to leave, obviously, but Adelaide didn't let her do that. Oh, Red didn't let Adelaide. Uh, yeah. yeah, anyway. Sorry. Adelaide, Adelaide, Adelaide left. <laughs> so Red was stuck. Um, and they kind of mention it a little bit in the end. Or Red does, because she talks about how, like, we got a uniform, we did this, we did this, and now we're rebelling. Yeah. Um, but I feel like she is kind of, like, the reasoning for the gold scissors of, like, I wanted to get away, and I wanted to cut myself from my upper... I wanted to get, you know, cut myself off from my upper hand. Mm-hmm. So, like, I feel like she's the one that led the led scissors. the rebellion with the scissors. Okay. I, I kind of agree with both of you guys. Uh, I, I think uh, 
the scissors in a lot of ways uh they show a lot especially uh with at the very end when red discusses like once upon a time of mm-hmm. uh, the red uh scissors cut rapunzel's hair yeah, uh, scissors cut the uh, golden thread that mm-hmm. uh, Sleeping Beauty uses. Um, I, scissors I, also cut the Fates use scissors too. Yes, yeah. the Fate scissors. Um, I think it's it's almost a villainous weapon um, used for freedom for the other party. Mm-hmm. Where if you think about it, the scissors that cut Cinderella or uh, cut Rapunzel's hair led Rapunzel to have her children and meet her prince. Mm-hmm. The scissors that cut uh, Rumpelstiltskin's Thread. princess, because yeah, she has a name. Spinning throughout the gold. Yeah, and... it, it, it cuts that and thus frees her. Uh, the fates, they cut them, but do they free the other party? So I think it... it to them, almost a uh, uh, a parting gift. I could see that of cutting. It's almost cutting ties. It's cutting ties, and I think it's it's a way for them to some symbolic. It's called symbology, the symbolism. Sorry, <laughs> one little boondock dance there on you guys. Um, <laughs> It, it's the way of uh, releasing uh, the blind innocence. Yes. Yeah. Of these people have no idea what I've gone through. Yeah. I'm going to snip your thread. Because I feel like in a lot of ways, it's not malicious, the murders. It's, yeah. It's just factual, like I said. Mm-hmm. So I think it's almost uh, uh, an innocent way to murder somebody. You're not killing them with a knife. You're not killing them with a sword. You're killing them with something that can be benign. Yeah, and I kind of feel like that's what the... I mean, at least that's what the tethered think they're doing. Yeah, I'm <laughs> they're, they're straight up stabbing a bunch of people in the fucking throat with, with scissors. Sometimes you gotta be like that. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's pretty the nicest thing in the world to do. But I think it's... Uh, they're, they're not aware what they're doing is wrong to the other people. Yeah. It's what I'm doing I need to do. I need this. Um, so, uh, we, we get this, uh, we get the, the creepy, uh, married with children versions of the Tylers, <laughs> of, uh, major asshole and psycho bitch. Uh, this is an interesting fact that I really liked about this film. Uh, so Adelaide and, and Gabe go into the house, but so do Zara and Jason. Mm-hmm. The kids go in, and technically the kids get a little bit more damage done. They're like, look, I'm handling this. Yeah, uh, and I, I think that that says something to the idea of, like, who they are as characters. Well, they they were at a time, right then and there, they had to accept the truth. Yeah. They had to accept the truth that was being thrust on them by the tethered. Like, you see, this is factual. This is what I lived. This is not a happy or nice world. They have to make a choice. Are we going to try to stick to, no, we don't kill people to, we're surviving. Yeah, exactly. Stick to the facts. Are you surviving or are you not? And I think that, that that's interesting. I feel like very rarely you see kids in horror films uh, take a stance. And uh, I think it, it says something, too, about the fact that, like, the the 
the Tyler twins are like, what's going on? What's happening? I don't get it. Checks. Double checks. Mm-hmm. Uh, of this uh, kind of white privilege uh, obliviousness. Mm-hmm. Kind of get the feeling that those kids kind of wanted to do that to them anyway. They were kind of, hold on, parents, make us hang out with them. Mm-hmm. They were like, I get to f- I understand it's a different view, but I've wanted to do this for ten fucking years. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do get that idea, I think, of the the terms of like they're the they're, they're the dumb blonde haired blue eyed bitches. Yeah, that that have never their biggest crisis was one day their iPhone didn't charge. I know. Scandal. I know. Billy actually asked Samara out for the winter formal. Oh my god, I can't believe he did that. Becky, I know. I know. <laughs> Where these kids, even just in, like, we were talking about, like, in terms of, like, the Black Lens and stuff like that, these kids probably have had to deal with stuff just in reality. Mm-hmm. You know? What you? So... Their willingness to accept, okay, shit's hitting the fan. It's like, what are we going to do? Because it, it's not a kind world. Are we going to just roll over and let it happen? We have to, they have to grow up right yeah. then on the spot. Like, we can't be kids anymore. This is the real world. We're going to deal with this. Yeah. So to kind of uh, go with that, I kind of want to ask you a question, Jamie, of just th- this idea, because like I said, uh, we can't particularly uh, connect with this. To a certain degree. Uh, just, uh, was there a point where you were like, okay, this is factual? So, like, it, it, it's it's not like, uh, of course, I don't think you've ever had your underground doppelganger try to stab you with. <laughs> so, so, the way I can relate to it is kids in the low com- income area where you, you don't necessarily get to be a kid for the entirety of your childhood. Right. You get some hard facts thrown at you immediately and you have to make a choice like, am I going to eat today? Because the family as a whole, we can't do it. Let's get up and do our part. Mm-hmm. You don't get to be a kid anymore. Or this neighborhood's really rough. I don't want to fight anybody, but I also don't want to be hurt. I have to make a choice. I have to grow up right now and make a decision about my well-being. Right. And to that extent, I see that, that that's kind of uh, alluding to the choices that they have to make. They have to grow up. They have to choose what really matters to them. And they don't get a whole lot of time to do it. Yeah. And in that moment, they're like, I'm going to protect my mom. I'm going to protect my dad. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to kill this bitch with a fucking golf club. Killing is wrong, but dying sucks. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I think that's that's such an interesting thing because I think uh, honestly, if you even look back, uh, and I, I don't want to bring this into the conversation, but it, it, it has a point of like the early two thousands films. Of yes, like there's the, the huge thing of like African American male always dies, but I feel like he's always the ones like, dude, we need to fucking get out of here. Mm-hmm. He's always one talking sense. Yeah, like, like we don't need to stick go, around yeah. here. <laughs> he's like, okay, we're in a haunted house. Let's go, uh, and. Of course. They're like, no, let's look at it. It ain't really haunted. <laughs> of course, Lionsgate did nothing good for that uh, entire culture. No. No. Or for anyone that wasn't named, like, Heather or Sarah. No <laughs> offense, but Ashley. Um, it's okay. That's why I go by Ash. Yes. Or Matt or 
Sean or Seth. Chat. Chat. Fuck chat. Uh, but I, I feel like uh, you do get that idea of the, the quick growing up and the quick decisions where uh, even if you look at how the Wilsons deal with like getting this confrontation, mm-hmm. they're very quick to be like, okay, what do we do? How do we survive? How do we do this? Where the Tylers are just like, burr, burr! Right on the money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Because <laughs> uh, they've never had a single moment of pivotalness in their lives. Yeah. I mean, look at the house they're staying in. Did they struggle? glass? <laughs> they're in a glass house. They wasn't ready to throw no stones. <laughs> I, I, had, I had a lovely glass window in my house broken by a stone when I came out as bisexual. Uh I, ever since then, I'm like, okay, don't draw class. Mm-hmm. I'm like a giant wood box. <laughs> What's in the box? Yeah. It's called a Lincoln House. Lincoln Logs, <laughs> motherfucker. Uh, but what I, I find so interesting is, so, like, uh, Zara comes in, she's trying to save her mom, and uh, Dahlia gets Zara, and it's fucking little Jason. With a fucking little, like, yeah. statue. <laughs> It takes, and then we get this. I, I I loved this thing. It made them all feel so human mm-hmm. when they're bitching about kill counts. Oh yeah, it's like, look, kids like to try. yeah. That, I love that that's, scene. That's a coping mechanism for them right at the moment. They're like, look, we're just gonna bitch. We're gonna talk. We, we could talk about this being real, or we could treat it like a game to cope with it and get through it and get therapy later. <laughs> okay, who got the biggest kill count? Who got the biggest? Kill? I you no, actually, I killed two people. You did not kill the second twin. I killed the second twin. Okay. <laughs> um, and then they drive off uh in the evening. Um, so they're driving away, and this is where you really get uh, the cataclysmic effect of this. Uh, where you start seeing people dead on the street. Uh, you really get the idea that this is a, not a two-person household thing. It's not just them. It's so much bigger than them. Yeah. So for you, Jamie, um, the idea of that social control for everyone. That... Even though it may seem very one-sided, like it's just targeting one, everyone's affected by these decisions. Like, even even though it's supposed to be, to an extent, a commentary on how the black community is viewed, everyone is affected by those views. Whether all... I don't know how to word it other than it's so much bigger than the individual man, individual woman, individual person, that it's society as a whole that we have to watch out for and i feel like that's that's really important uh i'm gonna get a little bit political so i apologize (laughs) if i piss off i I really don't fucking apologize actually (laughs) um uh but i'm I'm like i know i I don't apologize uh the idea of like the libertarians uh viewpoint of uh i don't need to at all pay for society. I don't need to be involved in society. I can live my own life. Uh, But the idea that, like, we live in a society. Yeah. Uh, You might have grown up upper middle class wealthy. 
but there might be a point that you are technically underprivileged or this or that or uh, considered to be disabled or this or this or this or this uh, that people don't realize is such, uh, like, anti-Semitism, racism, classism mm-hmm. goes way past everything else that we deal with. But I think it, it does show... Uh, a certain idea of this idea of uh, the, the quote-unquote underprivileged or minority view is able to survive more. Mm-hmm. This idea of people that have been, uh, I mean, you don't usually see it, and uh, I, I wouldn't expect Jordan Peele to touch on this, but, like, going back to, like, the Black Klansmen and having that discussion, of, uh, uh, the Jewish cop that's able to deal with so much more than anyone else. Or the African-American cop that's able to persevere more is in their lives. They have to deal with more. So in this apocalypse, they're, they're more uh, capable. They're better equipped because they've been conditioned to... <laughs> Endure? It's both a blessing and a curse? Being conditioned? Go on more. I'm kind of here because I can hear like there's more with that. So I I guess the way to say it is certain... uh, I'm kind of thankful that I've been conditioned to endure certain hardships. Like I understand when money's tight, you cut things out. Mm -hmm. I understand that when a situation happens and the police get involved... It's not, no matter how much truth you're telling, it's not necessarily gonna go your way. So appearances matter. I, had I come from a different upbringing, I would have just assumed like, no, it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. If you're just doing the right thing, it's gonna be okay. No, you also have to look a certain way. You have to be prepared to speak a certain way. Yeah. And I'm conditioned to think about that when I take actions. So... It's both a blessing and a curse to know, all right, I'm prepared for this. Whereas someone who's never had to, I'd be happy for them to never, ever have to need that type of conditioning to be prepared for. I'd be happy if people didn't have to be prepared for horrible things to happen. But I'm thankful that I am prepared. Uh, It's the same way, like, the whole thing we discussed this on the podcast of, like, when women walk to their car, you always put your keys yeah, you do the Wolverine clause. You do the Wolverine clause. And, uh, like, yeah, a uh, hundred times out of two, oh, 101, nothing's going to happen. Which also, I saw on, in, uh, not Instagram, on Wish a couple days ago, this really cool keychain that was like a skeleton key and it came in like different colors. Like, you know, you could do like gold, silver, and it also had like that iodized, yeah, the like rainbow metal. Mm hmm. That was actually a like a little knife, oh! But it was like it like would come out of the skeleton key, so it looked on your key. It just looks like a normal little skeleton key, and then you could just slip it's out the little, little like knife. little finger sized knife. Uh, and it's so, legal to carry one that size. Yeah, and I was like, I kind of want that. I actually, please, if you see that again, send that to me. I really want that on my keychain. Uh, I always make a joke, uh, my purse that I carry around, uh, is giant, studded, and has a massive skull on it, 
and I carry around, as Josh calls it, uh, my safety flask, because I carry around my hydro flask with me everywhere I go, and it's the massive-sized hydro flask, um, and I, I don't know if I like carrying it around because, like, oh, look, I have, like, this much water, or because, like, when I'm walking, I have, you can, like, yeah. hear the water jingle in it right now. I have pretty much, um, a brick. A very yeah, well-stickered like, brick with me. Yeah. Like, no, I mean, you and I, back when we first started this podcast, would joke with Mina. About, uh, we need to get hydro flasks. Of, like, our hydro flasks are our fucking weapons. Yeah. So, so you get that kind of idea, is like, as a woman, you're you're so prepared to be attacked. And you shouldn't have to be. If the world was the way it should be, you shouldn't have yeah. to worry about that. Same thing as a black man. You shouldn't have to worry about talking to the cops. You shouldn't have to worry about your appearances. But, when the world goes to shit, Chad over there in his, like, little, like, Letterman jersey is so fucked. Where we over here, we are prepared because our day-to-day life is scary. Yeah. Like, you you can't walk down the street by yourself. You're prepared for that. Yeah. You know. Like, uh, I'm gonna bring up a, a really interesting example, uh on our last date we went to ramen and then went to um uh, lost spirits Spirit. and it was it was an amazing date if you're in los angeles go to lost Spirit. it's amazing uh but i don't, I don't know if you you even noticed this is this uh i did because I, i'm more used to kind of walking around la like with ashy or with me ashy and mean or me ashy and m uh where i kind of tend to take the the street side and I'll kind of puff up my chest as somebody walks by. But I noticed when we were walking, we would be holding hands or we'd be talking. But anytime somebody walked by, you'd slip your hand around my waist. That's a subconscious thing that I do. But I, I it, it's one of those very, like, you don't notice it unless you notice it once. And then you notice it every time. It's funny. I notice Chris does the same thing. Like, when we're, like, when we're walking down around or in uh, the old orange circle because we like to go like the restaurants and stuff there we're walking we'll like walk around the area and like he always like if someone you know kind of shady shady well, walks we're by around downtown LA. yeah, yeah stepping like... on mario cubes yeah. <laughs> no we bounce on our mario we cubes jumped. we, tried to get we were star. adorable <laughs> we we hit every single one at the same time we were precious we didn't even plan it we just both did it at the same time <laughs> But yeah, like that, you know, like, as if someone shady walks by, he does the exact same thing. Yeah, because we went to Orochan, my favorite ramen restaurant, and then we went there, I think we had, what, an 8.30 reservation? Something like that? Yeah, so when we were walking to and from uh, the place, every time somebody walked by, you'd, like, wrap your hand around my waist. And I was kind of like, I don't even think he's noticing that he's doing this, but it's, it's a, like, protection of, like, it's harder to come at a couple that's Safety hip numbers. to hip. Yeah. Or even for you, it might just be like, oh, I'm obviously her date. She's fine, or this or this. Uh, but it, it's that kind of headspace that people get into where it's, you do safety procedures. Yeah unconsciously yeah i've learned that behavior from like my mom my dad my cut co- like older cousins if they're walking with us and we're out somewhere like older cousin just put his arm it's like 
hey, you're my family. I got you. And it lets the other people know, like, hey, this person's my family. I'm watching you. And it's something that's just ingrained into me. Like, we all look out for each other. Yeah. It's safer. A tribe is always stronger than a single person wandering the jungle alone. Exactly. I think you get that with, like, the Wilsons versus the Taylors. The Taylors... Are disorganized. Yeah. They're they're all out for themselves and their own needs, where mm-hmm. the Wilsons, they're, they're a family unit. Yeah. Like siblings bicker, but they're still looking out for each other. Yeah. I will fucking kill this bitch with a medal to save my sister. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's my little brother. I will... <laughs> Yeah. Put you with this golf club through your face. <laughs> Don't try it. Uh, so we get to this moment. Then we get to them uh, in the movie. They pull up to this sedan. Yeah. Their sedan. Yeah. And it's on fire. And uh, You brought this up earlier yeah. about uh, Pluto's. Mm-hmm. So um, they get out of the sedan because they, the, they see it on fire. And they're like, "What? why is it on fire? And then you see Pluto. You just kind of. Walk casually around it, like, uh. And there's also, like, two people dead right near him. Yeah. Who I'm also, like... I kind of got to, like, in that specific scene of him just kind of walking around the fire very nonchalantly, kind of got some Sam vibes from him. Oh, from Trick or Treat, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just pushing. The brightly colored jumpsuit and kind of plain mask. Do you guys notice why he's so casual about it? Hmm. Okay, so I was curious if either one of you guys picked up on this. Mm-mm. So when you look at the car and where Pluto goes, it's very un- it's very minuscule, but there's a line of gas. Oh yeah, from yeah. the car from him to underneath the car. So Pluto is planning on blowing up the family. Yeah, yeah. No, I definitely picked that up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he walks around very nonchalantly, and that's when like. Him and Jason do the yeah, backwards. And, yeah, him Jason, and Jason. like, realized. Because Jason sees it. He's like, he sees, I would do that. Which also no, goes back into the no, idea no. is if Jason a tethered or not. No, the reason why Jason does it is he sees the gas. He sees the gas. So he's just like, okay, the only way to save my family before he lights that match. Is to kill you. Is to kill you. So it's, I don't think it was like, I'm like, I don't think it was a a switch in the sense of so like you're going with the idea that Jason is Jason yeah I'm going with my weird idea that they're switched but like so he kind of did that whole like I'm backing up because I'm well, he saving does, my family because if I don't you're gonna blow them up well you kind of get the idea when Jason lifts his hands up it's like a trial mm-hmm. it's like hands up yeah like, like he, he's seeing a kill copy him mm-hmm. and when he does he's like okay what if I walk back? But you know, mm-hmm. Jason's not... He's not quite... Like, he doesn't... He's just... He's he, not sure if he, it'll he, work. He's just like, okay, this might work. This might not work. Who who knows? And he goes it, back to this It might get Daisy closet. underneath a blanket. <laughs> Sorry, one second. Uh, we have to deal with on the podcast of the fact that my dog likes to burrow under blankets. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we... I Earlier uh, this week... <laughs> I shared a picture of us recording, and she's li- <laughs> just like, are you guys done yet? I'm on my blanket, and I want pets. She's very, very needy. <laughs> uh, but then you eventually get, it, it's the idea that it's all Red's plan. Yeah. And Red grabs Jason and escapes to the underground. Uh, 
I, I will say that that going underground scene. Um, I felt it was so. I want to talk about this, like going down to the underground. Okay. Um. For a for a brief minute, because Chris actually mentioned something when we were watching it together. Um. Let us know what Chris thinks. <laughs> I'm actually not saying that sarcastically at all. I, I love what Chris thinks. We've had him on the podcast yes. twice. I just realized my tone might have come off like... Like, whoops. And what the fuck does Chris fucking think? Oh, shit. No, I didn't mean that. I mean, You're like, what the fuck does Chris fucking think? I'm curious. Um, was... So she... I don't know if... Does she... I think she sees a rabbit, doesn't she? Yeah. When she gets first down. Yeah. So she sees one of the little rabbits. Oh, no. It's a... When she first opens the door into yeah. Merlin's, she sees a bunny. Yeah. Rabbit. And she follows the bunny through the maze. Follows the white rabbit. Yeah. He was like... I get... I'm getting some, like, Alice in Wonderland vibes here as she follows the white rabbit down the rabbit hole. And here's Ella giggling about her tattoo. Let's follow the deep, let's follow the white rabbits down the deep, dark hole. All right. To Wonderland. Listeners, you're about to find out a whole lot about Ella. So about, uh, fuck. Uh, that was your second thir- tattoo. 13 years ago, I got, uh, I started getting my tattoos, and I want to get a tattoo that could be easily hidden. My first tattoo is for my grandmother. It's the Triscadel from Sicily on my ankle directly on my ankle bone. Uh, I Yes, I bit through a fucking spoon. Uh, my second tattoo I got was for Alice in Wonderland because every year on May 1st through May 7th, which is my birthday, I read Alice in Wonderland and The Looking Glass. It's a way I deal with every year of my life and how every year is going down a new rabbit hole and looking at my life. Uh, so I decided to get the white rabbit. Now, the white rabbit is conveniently placed on my hip bone in a downward motion towards, uh, my vajayjay. <laughs> uh, and that was the first tattoo I, I got. It was the simple outline of a white rabbit. It, the tattoo has grown. It's a very complicated tattoo now. But, uh, many, many years ago, we were at Disneyland with me, Ashy, and our one of our best friends, Mandy. Um, and we decided very quickly after I got my tattoo uh, to go on the Alice in Wonderland ride. Mm-hmm. Like you do. Because it's the three of us, and we're like, Alice, it's one of our favorite movies. Uh, Ashley will always be my Alice to my Cheshire Cat. <laughs> I will always love the Cheshire Cat. Um, and Or the Mad Hatter. And we go on the ride, and so... Right before we had gotten on the ride, Mandy had mentioned, this is the first time you've gone on the ride since you got your tattoo. And I was like, oh yeah, it is. I wonder if there's a white rabbit joke. Because, like I said, it's just the outline of a white rabbit. And we get on the ride, and the first words on the Alice in Wonderland ride are, let's fall the white rabbit down the deep, dark hole to Wonderland. I mean, you couldn't have planned it better. Yep. <laughs> so we're all on the ride crying from laughter and man who just goes, Disney just named your vagina Wonderland. It's official. If Disney your named it, it's real. Wonderland. I don't know how that song goes. I was going to try if and sing it. is a Wonderland, I'll and, use my... Oh, well, I know the song. <laughs> I know the song. <laughs> 
Let's not talk about me and John Mayer right now. So uh, that that is our always uh, Wonderland joke. Is we were not planning it, but uh, this, it just this has happened, and uh, I can't argue with Walt Disney. <laughs> He'll point very disappointedly with two fingers. I'm all the way to Wonderland, so he's going to be very disappointed in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she follows the white rabbit down the deep, deep, dark rabbit hole. And we are now in... <laughs> the final act, the climax, if you will, in Wonderland. We are now in the climax of Wonderland. We are? I'm not aware. I think I should be aware of the climax of Wonderland. Well, there's going to be some movement, and we're going to go back to physical. <laughs> You knew what you were getting in for, listeners. Um, so, I did talk about the, um, delve into Wonderland. We're way beyond phrasing at this point. <laughs> to put ourselves into Wonderland. <laughs> I do often. It's almost if Wonderland is a part of me. Uh... The the scenes, I think, especially of the escalator, of her going down, mm-hmm. were were so jarring. So it's it's interesting because first she goes down just random white stairs, and there's a uh, red signs pointing upward. Because because you yeah. later find out there were red signs pointing to where they would go if there was like a Cold War attack and they needed. Yeah, to... so it, it looks very bomb sheltery. But it, it's kind of that interesting thing of going against the signs. Mm-hmm. Of going against what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Uh, but, like, okay, have you guys ever been to the Universal Station of the L.A. Metro? Uh, Union, or? No, the Universal one, right outside the Universal Studios parking lot. Uh, I yes? picked someone up from there. <laughs> I feel uh, like I have. I feel like I know which one you're talking about. The stairway is so similar to that. Because it's an escalator that's so freaking steep, they're literally saying, say, don't step down. Hmm. Because the how deep our subway is. Yes, we have a subway in Los Angeles. Hmm. Trust me, if you didn't know about it, nobody in LA does. <laughs> um, Except for the people that want a dollar. Or people that really don't want to park in downtown. Mm. Mm-hmm. Hey, Mandy and I used to take the subway all the time to see um, Wicked because we were like, we don't want to pay for parking. So we'd, we would go to the train station in Pasadena, take the gold line, go to, to Union Station, get on the purple line, and go to Hollywood. Uh, I used to do it all the time uh, to go around the uh, Chatsworth station when I was in high school because we could our parents could drop us off the Chatsworth line, but then we could get right outside of uh, Chinatown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a Chinatown one too. Yeah, we could do the Chinatown market, mm-hmm. and we could spend like fifteen dollars and buy like a samurai sword and five goldfish and like a kimono. Yeah. Uh, I'm not joking. This was LA in like 2002 mm-hmm. when the Chinatown market was amazing. It's sadly it even had little Tokyo things. <laughs> it did. Um. So so they get down there, and this is uh where you get. Probably my biggest issue of the film is Red's exposition. Because I, I didn't really feel like we needed it. 
Because you get the whole exposition of they figured out, oh, we clone us, we live down here, we experienced your life. You get the whole idea of, like, people that were on the um, roller coaster. Yeah. For me, I felt like a lot of that could be inferred. I honestly feel like that scene was studio-pushed. I, I, if, if it was studio-pushed, okay. Um, I actually kind of liked that scene. Yeah. Because I, like, it was interesting to see that the whole world, or this whole area is completely, it's the same, but it's not. Like, it kind of... the dad's gave, reaction with the shirt was really creepy. Like, it, it gave you kind of that uncanny valley feeling, which I really thought was kind of cool, where, because you see, you see, you know, the dad giving him, giving, uh, little... Red. Uh, little Red, the shirt, and that creepy smile, and uh, the, well, like... actually, that would be Little Adelaide. That's right. Little, yeah, yeah. It's little Adelaide. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're, we're finally spilling this thing we've been trying not to say of Adelaide and Red or Switch. Yeah, the twist. Um. Oh, what's a twist? But, like, I just, it, it felt very uncanny valley, kind of creepy, like, and I really liked that scene. What about you, Jamie? I think... The parts of it that were necessary were definitely there because the world building, it helped. Yeah. To give you, it helped to tie you into the tethered a bit more and really understand what motivated them. Just to show how terrible it was for them to just go through the motions of all these people with no context and no regard to their own feelings. Mm -hmm. That aspect of it I felt was necessary. But over explaining it to the audience. That's the part that felt studio pushed. Uh, I feel yeah. like you could have done that in about half the time. Uh, there, there were certain scenes, like I was saying, uh, when it showed uh, Adelaide's or Red's, when it showed the underground father doing the shirt thing, when yeah. you get the Thriller shirt, which, by the way, if any of our fans listening, if you can find me that Thriller shirt, please, please send it to me. I want that <laughs> shirt so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I've probably watched the Thriller music video like a million times in my life. It's what got me into special effects makeup. Me and my siblings used to know all of the choreography. Oh, I still do. I'm I'm not ashamed to admit I still know all the thrill. By the way, I, I literally practiced. I so this is a weird thing that I did as a child. Uh, at one point, I actually I cut off the very ends of my hair when I was, like, eight or nine mm-hmm. and used a glue stick on my face because I was trying to do the Thriller cat makeup. You wouldn't do that. I, That's a totally legit kid thing to do. I have never seen my mom more pissed than walking in with me and a pair of, like, the kid's safety scissors <laughs> chopping my hair and gluing it onto my face. <laughs> I would have had a boy if I had wanted this kind of problem. <laughs> Part of my mom was like, oh god, she's a boy, she'd be so much worse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'd be terrible. That would have that gone way weirder. Uh, as a boy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I felt like it was a little too explained. Uh, like, I, I liked certain scenes in it. Uh, but then you get into like, I aromatized them, and I did this, and I did... It, it, it felt like that scene, for being the climax, just dragged 
a little bit too much. I could see that. Yeah. Uh, but then you two, probably my favorite scene in the entire movie, which is their fight. And the music going along with it. So it's their well. It was it was their fight. It was the flashback between well. It's the, also the ballet the recital. It was the uh, fiver. I got five. Oh. It's yeah. I, it's it's a straight instrument of I got five. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I never thought that would be so fucking intense a string instrument of I got five on it. But it it fucking is. And what I love so much is reds pullback and red's fluidity mm-hmm. and seeing Adelaide get guttural and guttural and guttural and guttural and guttural of seeing that slow switch of how we were talking about the idea of uh, you know how to talk to cops we know how to sit there and walk through a freaking police or a parking lot Yeah, we know to fucking pull back if somebody jumps at us we know to have the keys in our hand yeah, Adelaide's never had to fight anyone her entire life. Red has had to fight her entire life. Yeah. So how do you deal with somebody who is so prepared for this? And how how does somebody who's unprepared... The unprepared person gets more animalistic. They get more pissed off. They get more guttural. They get angrier and angrier and angrier. Or the person prepared stays calm. Yeah. And stays in control because we've been preparing for this. You've been preparing to sit there and talk to. A, we've been preparing for a guy to jump out behind a car, our entire lives. Yeah. We've we've worked through this, and it's so normalized. And that's you could make a horror movie about how normalized that is. But I think that that's what's so terrifying, and that's what I think makes red. So terrifying in that moment mm-hmm. of she's every minority and every group that's ever had prepared for being attacked. Yeah. Being attacked by somebody who's never had to prepare for it. And I feel like uh, that's part of a part of it was Red's design to kind of show Jason this is who she really is. I feel like that was an underlying purpose. Like, took him specifically. Because I want to show you who she really is. Mm-hmm. And she'll have to live with knowing that you know. You, you have to deal with the fact that you had to go this far to defeat me. You, you had to go to this extreme. To take me down. Yeah. And and that ballet recital, like... Uh, oh, I fuck this. Uh, also, uh, that was one little girl doing both. That is a talented little girl. I clap. I, I, do, I, I don't know who you were, Tiny Adelaide, uh, but holy crap, like, not even just being able to do uh, that form of a ballet performance, being able to do that strong... Of a modern dance performance, and then also uh, the reaction she has of when the uh, the tethered are putting their hands on her. Yeah. Of uh, it, it seems what I kind of really got out of that. It, it feels so biblical. Yeah. It, it feels. I agree with that. 
And what I find interesting is it's, uh, and, like, I'd like to get your opinion about this, Jamie, uh, because, A, being uh, Jewish, uh, a lot of people, especially right now, like, connect, like, Bernie Sanders and stuff, and uh, more Ashkenazi Jews, uh, where you have to remember Jews are of Mediterranean descent. Yeah. Uh, we, we are not all, all blonde hair, blue hide. Trust me, uh, Hitler tried to take care of a lot of that. Hmm. Uh, the idea of, a, if Jesus of Christianity was born, he was born in the Middle East. He was brown, curly hair. There is no way that boy was white. Um, <laughs> but, uh, the idea of, for you, getting kind of a... Uh, Jesus metaphor with a female black actress. Yeah. The, uh, so it's one of those things of like, I think it was great of him to kind of do that, to show the Messiah, to show that we can be more than that in film form, that we can be the leaders of it all. But it's just sad that it takes this extreme of uh, oppressed people for a leader to be born. And it's kind of showing where they're not that extreme oppression what we have had. A, we wouldn't have needed a Martin Luther King, but what we have had someone of that caliber, we mm-hmm. have had a Nelson Mandela if there wasn't that extreme oppression going on. It's that whole idea of uh, without great adversary, can great people be born? Because we only evolve out of need. Like, that's all life on this planet. It's a need to change that forces evolution to happen. Yeah. It, 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 it's scary, like, uh, you know, I, I feel, like, silly saying this, but, like, we live in North Hollywood, California, uh, and, uh, like, we had a notice saying, like, if you have Moses on your door, please remove it for safety. Oh, wow. Wait, What? There's been multiple, like, neo-Nazis sighted in North Hollywood. This is recently? Yeah, in the last, like, six months. I'm pretty sure we had, like, two wars about that. (laughs) I'm pretty sure Captain America had a very strong stance on this. Hmm. Uh, But what what I kind of find interesting about it is uh, you get this idea of, like, how you're saying, like, would Anne Frank's diary have met as meant as much? And I, I don't mean to say this in a in any way terrible way, but if she had survived, well, she'd have been able to tell her story herself. But would would all of these people who, if you look at martyrs, a sad part about martyrs is they die. It's true. Uh, you look at these people, I mean, like, I, he, he has a lot of issues, but I think JFK is a great martyr for the American system because he went against the Senate and the Congress. And look what happened to him. <laughs> he got a brand new hole in his face. Uh, he got yeah. a few. <clears throat> uh, you look at uh, so many Holocaust survivors. You look at Martin Luther King. You look at Nelson Mandela. You look at Gandhi. You look at... Uh, Harriet Tubman, you look at uh, all of these people uh, that that did so much good. Would their good have meant as much 
if they would have survived. And, and that's, I think, is such a fucked up way to think about it. Well, I'm going to say yes only because the bad was there, so the good was necessary. Mm-hmm. And they'd still, uh, they'd be well, leaders uh, to an extent. Had they survived, I think there would have been more things that could have been changed. Now, our whole view, a whole perception of ourselves would have been much, much different had they survived. The people that survive, all their accomplishments, it gets lumped into one life. Where you look at people who die in their 30s or die in their 40s, and you get those 40 years of life. Uh, where I'm not in any way trying to be political right now. But you look at uh, people like Bernie Sanders, who, he he's done so much and everything, and all stuff. But then you also forget he marched with MLK. And was put into jail because of that. Mm -hmm. But because he's lived so long, those small tidbits get kind of clumped. And people kind of overlook it. Yeah. Like it was a million years ago when it's like, really wasn't that long ago. When you look at like Martin Luther King, he he got this, this short amount of time. So every march, everything he did was so impactful. Mm-hmm. But then you get people like Bernie Sanders who did march with Martin Luther King. He was put in jail for this. He was put in jail for this. He fought for this. He fought. But because it's so compounded, people go, oh, it doesn't matter. And it's also people want to forget. They don't want to live, relive that. It's the same way. I was talking about the whole, uh, I think that's Anne Frank and Martin Luther King and Ruth Gayer Gizzard. Mm -hmm. They're the same fucking age. But people want to treat Anne Frank as she was 150 years ago. They want to treat Martin Luther King as the civil rights happened 100 years ago. And then you're like... Well, in reality, it's still happening. (laughs) It hasn't stopped. Yeah. Uh, Once gerrymandering ends, uh, maybe... (laughs) Even then, probably not. Voters we- choosing their politicians? They don't want that. They want politicians choosing their voters. Of course. Uh, I have a, my main big uh, political stance that I have no issue mentioning on this podcast is um, privatized prisons. Yeah, it should not be an industry that you can make money off of. Yeah, uh, privatized prisons make close to uh, $2 trillion every single year. And if you go to a privatized prison, you're not allowed to vote. For the rest of your life. Disenfranchised. And it's basically legalized slavery. It it really is. Uh, So there's so much that you can uh, unpack in this episode and in this movie. That I feel like you can take a five minute scene from this film and we could do an entire episode on five minutes of this. Yeah. Um, The the biggest twist at the end uh, that I'm curious on everyone's reaction. It was reaction. a very M. Night Shyamalan twist for me. It was very Shyamalan and Ding Dong. Yeah. Uh, you find out uh, when Red, when the uh, underground uh, Adelaide met, above ground Adelaide, she strangled her in this moment of anger. Mm-hmm. Dragged her down and handcuffed her. The Adelaide we've dealt with this entire film has actually been red. Has actually been underground Adelaide, and red 
is actually topside Adelaide who has a raspy voice because she was strangled. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably has like a slightly crushed windpipe for yeah. the rest of her life. Um, and in the end, uh, I think this is such a, an interesting scene because uh, Adelaide, that we know to be above ground, we find out is below ground, strangles Red with the handcuffs. And mm-hmm. as she is, her voice gets guttural and guttural and guttural. We're like, in this moment, is it the tether coming through? That's what I believed out of it. Or is it her? Is it her true self? Like, her true self as the tethered. As the through. tethered version. Yeah, she reverted to what she tr- truly is. Mm-hmm. She rep- it seems like she repressed that part of her. Yeah, to yeah. Try to live, and, and in her. that moment, that part of her came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's just such an interesting thing of, of the idea of Red, who is the above ground Adelaide, uh, pretty much trumps her in every way. Yeah, and which and well, the only reason why Adelaide wins is because she kind of shows mercy. Yeah. What I was going to say earlier is that, like, that line of, you could have taken me with you, makes so much more, like... Sense. It, it makes so much more sense. You didn't have to attack me. And it's a lot more, like, heart-wrenching, almost. Instead of, like, oh, you could have taken, like, what? What does she mean by that? When you realize that she didn't have to attack her, she could have just... There are now two of me. Yeah. Like, I am you, you are me, we are together. Instead of dragging her all the way down. And it, it, it's it, almost, it made it a malicious act at that point. Yeah. And it's almost a, a, a like, Hades, Persephone mm-hmm. symbolism of, like, I'm dragging you down to hell. Yeah. To ascend. But, yeah, you kind of get that very much, like, oh, my God. That line means so much more now. Well, I think so much more of what Red says of, like, you took this away from me. I was, because you get those lines of, like, I was forced to be with Abraham while you got to be with Gabe. She was meant to be with Gabe. Yeah. Uh, Is it the reason why, like, uh, Ombre and Pluto come out so messed up? Mm-hmm. It's because they weren't meant to be. Because it's not two of the tethered and two of the ups, up ground. Right. It's a switch. Does that affect how the children come out? I think that it has to because they're yeah. the most unique of mm-hmm. all the tethered. And they survive once and they seem to have the most also connection mm-hmm. with them. Where you don't really see a connection with, like, the, the ty- uh, Taylors. Mm-hmm. They don't really have a connection with them. You only see the similarities after the fact when they're mimicking. Like, they're showing this is what the Taylors truly were inside. That's what the, yeah. what I gathered from mm-hmm. it. But when you get with, like, uh, Zara and Ombre, they both have the running. They both have that, that kind of animalistic predator thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get the thing with the fire between Pluto and Jason. You have the masks. But is it because they're half? They're half up and half down. I, I, I think, I think so, yeah. I'd give it the, it gives them more individuality, more purpose. Because they're not 
completely manufactured. Yeah. Uh, and then at the very, very end of this movie, we get, um, and then I think what I found really interesting is, is the last scene isn't the family. It's the Hands Across America. Yeah, like, you just- Terror. Terror scene. Yeah, you get that, like, just- From California to- All the- everywhere, all the way, Hands Across America. It's just you so lived in the North terrifying. or South, you might be slightly safe. Yeah. So get out of America. That's where the real problem yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, so so that was it. Uh, we normally do uh, our badass bitch moment, but I'm just gonna go our badass moment. Yeah. Um, so it was just a moment that made you personally feel powerful. So I'm gonna actually start with Ashy. Okay. So what was a moment for you that made you feel powerful um, in this film? I want. I'm gonna say actually. I'm going on the villain side of this. Mostly, oh, dear be, God. Just because it's, she's not really the villain in a way. I mean, we kind of, <laughs> we literally just discussed this. We've had a long conversation of confusion. Um, I think I would go with when Red finally kills Adelaide. Okay. Because it's that you made me suffer for so long. Flipped. Because it's Red killing Adelaide. That's what I said. Red kidding, killing Adelaide. Okay. Really? That's, that's an interesting one for you. Because it's like, you made me suffer for so long. I was stuck down here and forced to live whatever fucking life you wanted to live. I think you're confused because it's Red that gets, the original Adelaide is the one that gets stuck down there that is Red. So it's it's the underground one that eventually wins against her. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what oh, she's okay. getting at. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm correct. <laughs> I was I was red like, red kidding killing Adelaide and telling her because you made you made me as a child suffer. You made me as a child suffer, and now I didn't get to live whatever fucking life whatever life now I wanted I've to live. I've had my best. I've I can now live the life I want to live. All right, you little sociopath. <laughs> what about you, Jamie? Uh, for me, it's going to be Jason and how he deals with his tether. Like, I really think that he's the only one who tried to understand. Mm-hmm. And with that time, he's like, I get it. I get why you're you. And him coming to the realization and backing him into the fire like that, hmm. that was my cool moment because it's like he used his mind to solve his problem. Uh, for me, I'm gonna go. It, it, it's Zara taking down one of the uh, the, the tether twins, uh, <laughs> just because it, it's so rare. A, you see a young woman in a powerful scene that's like a daughter. Yeah. Uh, much less a a black young woman being super super powerful. Um, I think it's super cool. I think uh, we've never really gotten to see that. And I was, I was I, I really think impressed. I was gonna say that would be like my second moment. I think because like um, it's not necessarily from like coming from like a sociopathic thing. It's just mm-hmm. she finally she <laughs> she finally got her moment. She finally gets to live a life. Yeah, it's I'm finally escaping. I'm I'm perfectly free. Yeah, I'm perfectly free now. All right, so uh, let's go through our uh, scoring. I will actually go first for once. Oh. Um, I'm going to give us a 4.5. It has issues, but, like, the only issue I can really... It's just that really long... <laughs> it's so close the to world being a 5. But, uh, uh, I could have dealt with about 
four less minutes of Red's, like, exposition. Yeah, I, I agree. I could have done without the exposition of, like, I did this, I formed an army of tethers, and it, da, da. It, it just, it felt a little too playing down to your dumbest audience, which he hadn't done the whole film. Yeah. They kind of took me out. Uh, but I gotta give it 4.5. Uh, the characters, even as as terrible as the tailors were, were uh, uh, emotionally there. I've met those people. I know those people. I know what their worst sides would be. Mm-hmm. Um, the the imagery is beautiful. Uh, the shot wise is beautiful. I, I I really don't have a lot to complain about this film. Uh, when I first saw it and I was comparing it to Get Out, I was like, Oh my god, Get Out is so much better. It's so much more terrifying. And then I watched Get Out a second time, and mm-hmm. uh, Get Out has a lot of shock value. Yeah. Uh, the second time I watched Get Out, I was like, oh, this isn't that scary. And, like, the third time I've now watched Us, uh, it's still terrifying. Yeah. So I almost have to lend us to uh, being a scarier film, because every time I watch it, it's still... I don't get that shock value of, like, Get Out, where you're like, oh, yeah, that thing. Oh, yeah, that thing. It... It stays with me every single time of that small thought in the back of my head of, like, what's my tether? What's mm. my worst version? Mm-hmm. And how could I stop her? And could I stop her? And would I want to stop her? Interesting. About you, Jamie? Um, I'm going to give this one a 4.6. And... Oh, we've gotten to 4.6. We've gotten something that's more anal retentive than Ella. <laughs> and, it's, it, and it's one of those things is like, I don't necessarily think it's the movie's fault. The explanation, it could have been shorter. Mm-hmm. But the the from the previews alone, the plot twist of Red and Adelaide being swapped at the young age, I'm like, well, of course. That's the only reason that that, that she That happened. she speaks. Yeah, she's the only one that speaks, and it there would not have been a logical reason for the story to progress if that didn't happen. It's one of those films, I think, it's a huge issue with horror films, of don't watch the trailers. Yeah, but... Trailers tend to give up a a lot. Thankfully, I didn't watch any of the trailers. (laughs) But, like, what... Now, what the trailers did do is, I got five on it, making a song that I love creepy as shit. (laughs) (laughs) Like, the musical score is... Perfect for it. Uh, it. To this day, the insidious uh, uh, dance through the dolly mm-hmm. or through the tulips. Mm-hmm. To this day, if I hear that song, I want to climb a fucking wall because of insidious. But yeah, it they see the music score just helped support yeah. it. Yeah, and the physical acting in it it showed oh. so much range. Each of them playing their own tethered, it was. So Beautifully good. executed. Uh, I want to see more like it, more out of them. Mm-hmm. So, it's not a perfect five, but it's definitely they did, they high. did pretty damn good. What about you, Ashy? You're the last. <laughs> I wanted to give it a five, but I feel like I'm going to go on, continue down the line of four points. <laughs> so you're what, 4.7? Yep, I'm giving oh, it God. a 4.7. It's five. Give it a 4.75. <laughs> up. Give me something even. <laughs> Nah, it's ascending. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because I, I feel like I also can't quite get it, give it that, that exact, full. Fi- that full five. 
because of the exact same reason you couldn't give it a full five, Ella. Yeah, there, there are I some liked the. I really things. liked the, you know, that kind of world-building thing of, like, there's this whole other world down below it's of people who are... It's a fairytale story. Yeah, of people who are living the lives of the people up there, but they're, like, just kind of... Twitchy. Twitchy and twisted and creepy and weird. I'm just explaining the facial expressions of yep. that. <laughs> Twitchy. Twisted. Yep. Weird. <laughs> um... But I could have done without Red's explanation of everything. I think there, there's got to be a more clever way they could have gone yeah. about it. And I feel like I, I, I feel like I'm going to give faith that Peel had had a better one, I mainly either. because I just want to have faith. It, I'd agree that it, some of that had to be studio done, to where no, we need that's too smart. You stop that. Yeah, Wait, just, just explain, just explain it. Because we don't get it actually. Need yeah, so they, the, the, they were like, you need to just explain it. Explain the whole thing. Uh, but that has been a our second part of our amazing episode. Uh, next week we actually have Allie back from Yay! Black Christmas uh, for the invitation. I'm super excited for. Um, Jamie, I cannot express how much I really... Truly appreciated having you on this podcast. Ella, Ash, I'm so happy that you guys invited me to be a part of it because this is a lot of fun. <laughs> I love hanging out with you guys. <laughs> it, we're just, we're all hanging out. Daisy's cuddling us and we're talking about horror films. Mm-hmm. This is just a regular Friday night for us guys. Um, thank you guys so much. Like I said, we'll be back next week. Uh, please do check out our uh, Patreon because... We will be signing off at the end of March. Oh, I get a fucking break. <laughs> the Sirens will be signing off at the end of March. And our Patreon, if you subscribe to our Patreon, that'll be literally the only way you can see what we're up to. We'll be posting um, behind-the-scenes stuff, photo shoots, our crazy... Our outtakes. Our outtakes, <laughs> our crazy antics of talking about planes and... So and all that jazz. jokes. It's so many plain jokes. Um, we will also be posting interviews with guests that you have heard on the show. So Jamie will be coming back, and we'll actually you'll actually get to see Jamie, and we're gonna ask him questions. About <laughs> it's good, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> um, you'll you know get to see some fun fun stuff. So please join us for our Patreon. Uh, that's the way this podcast keeps alive. It's the way you make me not lose my brain, and mm-hmm. Ashley doesn't deal with me making her lose her brain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I also, as a little treat for you guys, will be posting a small behind-the-scenes video tomorrow. So, is that um, why you were creeping up with your camera? Yep. <laughs> so, I was like, don't look directly at it. Don't look directly I had that at moment it. Where I was like, don't. I, I, I know. I've done enough film work. Where I'm like, don't stare at the camera. Don't stare at the camera. Yep. I was trying to be very sneaky about you it. You were not. <laughs> you see my eyes shifting at it. Like... I, I failed at being sneaky, but, but yeah, we still I still love you. Yes, I will be posting a small little behind the scenes video for you guys tomorrow on our Instagram. So please check that out. Uh, I hope your weekend is good, since it is now Thursday, and tomorrow will be your Friday. And as always, good, bad. And the mic goes to the Sirens of Horror. Thank you so much for having me here. You're lovely. And I love every one of you fans out there. You guys keeping these girls going? I'm blessed. I just love how we just let them go with that. My brain stopped and I just went with the heart. I'm going to 
I'm gonna end this podcast before it starts crying. Ashley and Ella, you're the best. <laughs>